Do you have a story to tell about a terrible medical conversation? I want to hear from you. Please email me at christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More, where we are unpacking some terrible conversations in healthcare in the hopes of building better ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Melissa Turner, who is a doctor of pharmacy. And this is such a critical conversation because till now we've been talking about terrible conversations that we healthcare providers have with patients, but we also tend to have terrible conversations with each other. And I think, you know, our system is broken on many levels, but if we can't at least get our communication straight between us, working to improve conversations with patients is really a lost cause. So before I get started with Dr. Turner's story, I just want to share how she and I connected because it basically (laughs) started with an experience I had very, very recently with a pharmacist. And I'm not proud of this conversation, but I think full transparency is really the only way to make things better. So a few weeks ago, I sent a prescription for a longtime patient of mine for her opioid medication that she's been on for many, many years. And until now, you know, it was a very smooth process. We see her regularly. We check our database for any, you know, questionable prescription she may have filled. She has a medication agreement in place. She gets her urine drugs. She's like the model patient on an opioid, if there is such a thing. Really never a question about how she's taking her medication. This particular time when I sent the refill in, instead of just hearing nothing, a little bit later, I got a phone call from the pharmacist. And he left the message with one of my front desk teammates and said, basically, he was not going to fill this prescription until he spoke to me. So that's the message I got in the middle of my day. And I hadn't yet spoken to this pharmacist. All I know is immediately I got angry. I was just angry is the only way to put it. Why wasn't he filling my prescription? How dare he question this prescription that I've sent, you know, umpteen million times. He doesn't know anything about it. So all these thoughts are going through my head, having not shared one word (laughs) with this man. I'm just like mad. So that was the context with which I actually entered into a conversation and called back, you know, ready for a fight, super defensive. And he said, he was so just like, even professional. I was like, Hey, Dr. Myers, like I see this prescription for so-and-so. I just was wondering, had you ever considered reducing her dose? And I was like, what? No, I'm so mad at myself, even as I retell this story. But I was like, why would I consider reducing her dose? She's perfect. She's fine. And he said, well, does she take any breakthrough medicine? And I was like, no, like I said, she's fine. She's perfect. She's never needed a change in her dose. And he said, well, you know, sometimes if a patient hasn't needed breakthrough meds, it might be a good opportunity to see if their baseline dosage can be decreased. 
And immediately I was like, oh my God, no. Like literally in the seven years I've been taking care of this woman, it never once occurred to me to try to reduce her dose. Like to me, the fact that she didn't need more was success, right? I was just like, this is what it's supposed to happen. Like, why would I overturn the apple cart? And I don't know. It's not because I'm not smart enough to consider that thought. It's because it never occurred to me because it was always easier, you know, to just do the refill. So I took his information to heart and I had a conversation with the patient and it turns out we were not able to reduce her dose. But what I got from that is why am I defensive when a colleague calls me to say, hey, maybe we could do better by this patient if you and I use our collective skill set to talk about this really, really important issue, which is opioids. So, Melissa, having heard me recap that, tell me, you've worked in retail pharmacy, right? Not no longer, right? You're no longer in retail So tell me about in your days working in retail pharmacy, you've had conversations like that, right? Mm -hmm. I have. So tell me how it just, you know, maybe share, share an example or two of how those conversations would go. Well, there was one provider in our area who was a longtime practicing physician. And it was known that you could go to this physician or call him on the phone and tell him what your symptoms were. And he would call in a prescription for you without even seeing the patient in person, doing any sort of vital checks, exams. He would just call in whatever you wanted. And there were many times where he would call the pharmacy and say, I got somebody coming down there. I need you to fill this prescription for him. And he didn't even know what their name was. And oh so my God. <laughs> I was, that was not good. And that was very frustrating. But the story that sticks out the most to me as far as a very negative, almost traumatic experience with a provider was while I was working at a retail store and we got a prescription for a woman. She was probably, as best I can remember, in her 60s. It was for a blood pressure medication and the dosage that was prescribed flagged as I was verifying it as a low dose. And as a pharmacist, we would have these warnings come up on our screen. Some would be what we would call hard stop warnings, things that we had to take care of, whether that was calling the prescriber for a clarification, or if it was talking to the patient about it, or just making some sort of notation to override whatever that warning was. And so for this particular instance, because it was a low dose for the medication, and it was a brand new medication that the patient had never been on, I was concerned. Why are we giving this low dose? What's going on? And so I called the provider's office because 
I could not go past that warning without documenting who I spoke to at the doctor's office, what time I called, what day I called, and what the details of our conversation were. And so I tried to reach out to the provider's office and was not able to get a physical person on the phone. So I left a voicemail just letting them know, hey, we got a new prescription. It's flagging for a low dose. Just want to verify and make sure that this is appropriate for the patient. Because as a pharmacist in a retail store, you have very limited information about the patient. And so I didn't really know what was going on. And because she had never had it before, I wanted to make sure we were doing the right thing for the patient. And so left that voicemail, immediately called the patient, explained to her what was going on, explained how I can't continue to fill this until I talk to the doctor's office. She was okay with it. She said that was fine. And so continued on with my day. And then a couple hours later, I get a phone call from the provider. And before I even have a chance to explain the whole warning system and what we have to do as pharmacists, she lit into me and basically said some of the same things that you were just saying. How dare you question my authority? This is what the patient needs. This is what I wrote. You don't have the place to deny filling a patient's prescription. And the thing that really got me was she said, I'm going to call the board and report you for doing this. Oh my and God. I am just standing there for a moment. My heart is racing and I'm getting all hot and flush. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did this go so badly? And so I'm trying to compose myself and not say things that I can't take back. And so I let her finish her little you know, tirade. And I calmly, as best I could, explained the whole warning system and why I had to do this. And that once I documented who I spoke to, when I spoke to them, why this is what you want the patient to have, I can continue feeling it. And so it was not because I didn't think the doctor knew what she was doing. It was because I had to. And for our system at the time, if there were things that we needed to document. Everything was tracked because if something were to happen to that patient later, you know, that could be my license on the line and I could lose sure. my job. Mm-hmm. But if I'm able to document and we have proof of what I did, the efforts that I took, and we acted in the best interest of the patient, that's what we needed to do. And so once I told her all that, she was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine then. Go ahead and fill it. And so I was like, okay. And so I documented what we talked about and I hung up the phone. Of course, I'm still shaking and I'm just so upset. And I just sit down on the floor and start crying. (laughs) It was just a terrible experience because I'm like, all I'm trying to do is help patients. And now she's going to report me. And, you know, it just, there were some other things that had happened, you know, over the last few years of working in that store in my personal life. So that just really, you know, hit me hard and it, it broke me. And so that was one of the many reasons why I left retail pharmacy, because I just felt like pharmacists weren't appreciated by their patients a lot of times and by their providers. And I think a lot of it is, is that we don't understand what pharmacists do, what we're capable of, what we're required to do. And a lot of this stuff is not because 
we just feel like doing it. And that's, this is fun to us to call doctors and wait on filling people's prescriptions. No, there are reasons why we're doing what we're doing. Hmm. Wow. So, oh my God, honestly, I am so embarrassed to say this, but I could see, I completely could see that entire conversation, except for maybe report you to the board part. Like I think that was, wow, over the top. But, but sadly, like I could absolutely picture that entire interaction happening. So I think it is really important for for me as a doctor Mm -hmm. to understand the world of a retail pharmacist. And I know you stepped away for a while and I want to get back to that and Uh and what that interaction led to, but you get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and never in the course of like brushing your teeth, getting dressed, are you saying to yourself, you know what, today I'm going to piss a doctor off. Today is the day (laughs) I'm going to just make some doctor's day really bad. Like that is not what you do when you go to work every day. You go to work with what? What what is your mission as a doctor of pharmacy when you get up every day? Yeah. So when I was working in the retail setting, it was, let's make sure that we get all of our prescriptions filled today and make sure that they're filled correctly. And a lot of people, patients, providers, think that all pharmacists do is count by five and put pills in a bottle and stick a label on it. Yes, I did that every day. That was part of what I did. But there's so much more to it as far as making sure your technicians, your team is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So managing those and then making sure that at least where I worked, everything that we did all of our prescriptions, our required phone calls that we had to do every day and every week. Everything is tracked, measured, counted, and timed. And so prescriptions, whether they were sent electronically or faxed or brought in by patients, we had to get them in within a certain time, typed in. And then they would go to me as the pharmacist, and I would have to do what was called data entry verification. So verifying that any prescription, whether it's a hard copy or electronic, was put in for the correct patient, date of birth, drug, name, strength, dosage, directions, refills, that the provider is the correct provider and also their location is the correct location because sometimes providers work in multiple offices or multiple hospitals. So if we need to reach out to the provider later or you need to send a refill request, you want to make sure you're sending it to the right place. And then after that's done, it would go to those warnings that I was talking about. So making sure it's not a low dose or a high dose or a severe drug interaction. And then If there is warnings, you've got to fix them or adjust them. You may have a high dose because the technician put in the wrong dose supply. So now you got to go back and edit it and start over. And so then once that was finished and it was incorrectly, it would have then gone to the technicians to actually print the labels, fold the labels, go pull the drugs, scan the label, scan the drug, count it, put it in the bottle, label it. You know, if they had one, that was pretty easy to do. If they had 10 or 20, that took a lot of time to fill that basket up. And so then at that point, it would go back to the pharmacist. And then we would have to verify and make sure that the right drug is in the right bottle, that the right 
right amount is in the right bottle. And we had to, if there was any pills or capsules, we would have to pour them into a tray to visually verify that the right pills are in there. And this was, yes, it was an extra step, but I caught a lot of errors that way. Sometimes pills would get mixed up in the bottles or if I poured out and there were supposed to be 90, a lot of times you could tell, oh, maybe the technician only counted 30. So then you got to send it back to the technician to redo. And then it comes back and then bag them and file them in the correct bin. So that's just the prescription part. Okay. And you're doing that hundreds of times a day. And so that does not include the, all the phone calls that you get from patients, from providers, from insurance companies that are coming in, not to mention the ones that we were required to do the outgoing calls, like calling patients and saying, Hey, you've got a new prescription. It hasn't been picked up. Are you going to come pick it up? I didn't know the doctor called me in anything. Okay. So then that's a whole nother conversation. You know, this medication hasn't been refilled in a while. Do you need it? If they don't, okay, let's inactivate the prescription. If it's out of refills, then we got to fax the doctor. Just so many different things that people don't realize that pharmacists do during the day. And I know the system now, as far as filling prescriptions, is a little bit different since I left. But that's what I had to do every day for almost eight years. Another thing that pharmacists had to do was to reconstitute antibiotics, and we were the only ones that were allowed to do it. So if you had a kid with the powder, like amoxicillin, we were the only ones that could add the water. If there were medications that needed to be compounded, like a magic mouthwash or some sort of diaper rash cream, we were the ones that did that. Checking in the orders every day especially if there were narcotics in the orders, only the pharmacist could open it and verify it, make sure it was correct. And if it wasn't, that was a whole nother issue. We had to refuse the whole order and send it back. So everything that we ordered for that day had to go back. That did happen one time. Luckily, that wasn't an everyday occurrence. But then we would get warehouse order every week. And that was sometimes 20, 25 totes worth of drugs that have to be put up. But you need somebody to do that. But who's going to fill the prescriptions? Who's answering the phone? Who's running the drive through? So there were many times where I was doing all of those things. I was running the drive through and helping people at the register. And then let's not forget about the people that come up to the counter and like, hey, I need help with this allergy medicine or I'm having I have this rash. Like, what do you think it is? And <laughs> so just so many different things that pharmacists are doing. I mean, I could continue, but wow. pharmacists are not just there to count pills and put them in a bottle. We are doing so many other things. And my main focus always was to make sure that I don't make a mistake and mm. I don't let something go past me that could harm the patient or cause them to die. If I give them the wrong medication or if I miss a drug interaction, if I some pills get mixed up, if you know, any number of things. If I misread a prescription and the wrong drug gets put in, there's so many different things that I'm constantly thinking about when I was in that setting. That's why I was so overwhelmed and why I had to get out. Wow. So we'll get to your transition. But I, first of all, I'm exhausted just listening to you describe one day in the life of a pharmacist. <laughs> Yes. What? Holy crap. And then 
So here's the other thing. For me as a prescriber, I definitely worry about making mistakes. Like every day, I'm like, right. am I diagnosing this right? Mm -hmm. Am I prescribing correctly? Did I miss something on this whatever uh, right. scan or? But things that I miss or mistakes that I may make as a doctor, like they don't typically have like an immediate, like in that moment, this person could die kind of consequence, mm -hmm. right? Like if I don't diagnose somebody immediately with something like they're going to come back, you know, we're going to mm -hmm. reevaluate. Like, I, I feel like I get <laughs> do-overs, mm -hmm. but for you as that pharmacist, you have so much responsibility and, yeah. you know, forget about back in the day when you were reading handwritten prescriptions that were illegible, right? Like at least <laughs> oh, we now. still get those. <laughs> Oh, not not yeah. as much, but people think that electronic prescriptions eliminated errors and no, <laughs> it's still no, so, yes. so it's still, I, I mean, I'll, I remember one time it wasn't a retail pharmacy, but it, I was a resident and in the hospital, you know, you hand, we used to handwrite the orders, right? And right. then I guess they got faxed to the pharmacy or something, but I had a diabetic patient and they were on a sliding scale. And they needed like an order for like one, one extra dose of insulin or something. And I mm -hmm. wrote blah, blah, insulin, 1.0 units now oh, no. or something like that. But so it's, it's written right at 2 a.m. or whatever. Then it's like sent via fax. So my point did not come through. Right. So that patient got 10, 10. units yeah. of insulin and thank God they were fine, but Holy cow, multiply that mistake by all the drugs, by all the far. I mean, mm -hmm. the consequences are just mind boggling. So you have all of these things weighing on you. Mm -hmm. um, and probably the last thing you need is a doctor getting on you, giving you attitude and without even understanding all of the things that got you to that point. Right. And you couldn't even do your job because in that particular story, like you had a hard stop. You could not get past the computer telling you to right. get this resolved. And I know like that's all flawed. Like I know it like in our EMR, the hard stops make me insane. <laughs> yes. Because I feel like we should be able to use our brain. Like for you, right? You're like, this is a low dose, like nothing bad's gonna happen to this patient, but right. I still can't get past it, right? Mm -hmm. So we doctors are not seeing your big red box. We're just seeing like, this is one more thing I've got to cross through to get to the mm -hmm. other part of my day. So you have all of these things and you, you also have to deal with these angry, irate doctors. So tell me about, well, first of all, have you ever had, or do you recall a conversation with a healthcare provider that went particularly well, or were they either neutral or terrible? And be honest. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. So it's been about almost two years now since I've left. And as best as I can remember, most of my conversations were good. There were, you know, that one that I described was a rarity. And a lot of times, my conversations would be with the provider's nurses or their assistants, medical assistants. So I didn't always talk to the providers, but for the most part, it was good. You know, I'm just, I just need a refill. Hey, have you got this prior authorization done? There's a drug interaction. I need the provider's permission to continue filling it. Or, you know, I need you to document this, make sure, did you know the patient was on this? And that was, 
That was another hard thing about retail is if patients use multiple pharmacies, then you didn't know right. what the other doctor was doing or what the other pharmacy was filling. So, right. But for the most part, they were good. Well, I mean, I'll tell you that for me, pharmacists have saved my butt so many times. Like, first mm-hmm. of all, now in the era of um, Paxlovid and yeah. COVID, like I don't, there's no way I'm going to remember every interaction with that drug that has right. only just recently come onto the market. I don't have years and years of experience with it. So, so many times pharmacists have alerted us to interactions with that particular drug and, and drugs mm-hmm. in general, or, you know, allergies that we might not even know that a patient has an allergy to this thing because they neglected to tell us, but right. you guys know that. And right. here we are prescribing amoxicillin for the penicillin allergic patient. And, <laughs> you know, so many things like that. Tell me about, and I don't know, you may have left, no, you, you left retail two years ago. So my last day was in May of 2021. So you have you had been a pharmacist in the relatively recent era of pharmacists mm-hmm. also giving vaccinations, right? Oh yes. See that's Tell something me about else. That. <laughs> yeah. So Tell in addition to that. everything I said that is exhausting to say and hear, it's <laughs> COVID testing, doing that through the drive-through. And so that was not a quick process. And then people are getting angry that the drive-thru is taking forever and they're calling, why isn't the drive-thru moving? I'm like, we're doing COVID testing and everybody in the car is, needs their test. And then somebody puts their swab in their mouth instead of in their nose. Now we got to start all <laughs> over. I mean, people just have no idea, no idea um, wow. what, what all that's like. So yes, so doing flu vaccines, COVID vaccines, pneumonia, and we had goals that we had to meet. Again, so everything you, is tracked. You, I, yes. I, this is so important to me. I, I really want, and this is probably veering away from the conversation piece, but again, goes to a, you know a better understanding of what you guys do every day, mm-hmm. patients and doctors. So, when you were in pharmacy school, was it a thi- like was it a thing that part of what you're going to do is give immunizations? You're very young, so I imagine by the time you went through, yes, it was. Yes, so I started pharmacy school in 2009, and we got our immunization certification in our first year. So that was something that we had to know how to do. Now we'll say when I went on. There was one rotation where I had the opportunity to give vaccines, and I was like, no, I, I don't want to do it. I'm scared to do it. Um, now I can do it with my eyes closed. I've done it so many times. But that was a requirement for CVS is for us to be able to give vaccines. And I was a little, maybe not the best at first, but I mean, I did hundreds over my time there. And so that was one more thing that we had to do every day. And if we did not meet our vaccine goals, you know, we had to let the district manager know, like, what are you going to do to, you know, meet this week's goal plus last last week's because you didn't meet that or get on a conference call and discuss how are we going to get this? Don't forget about this. And so, yes, I didn't mind giving vaccines. I, that was okay, but it was just one more one thing more that day. we had to do that would pull us away from, I felt like our ultimate responsibility, getting those prescriptions filled. So I'm going to ask you a really hard question. And because you are no longer employed by CVS, I feel like you could answer honestly, because really, this is you're the very first pharmacist that I'm having this very transparent conversation with. 
And it also helps that you're not a local pharmacist. <laughs> you and I don't have patients in common. But when you talk about vaccine goals, uh-huh. is it about the money? So I can't speak for CVS as to why that was pushed like so hard. And I know that it is important to keep our community safe and healthy. I got my vaccines. Why we had to meet a certain goal per week, per month overall, I don't know how they determined those goals. At least I I don't remember how they determined those goals, but it was not easy to meet those goals yes. because there were other pharmacies, there are provider offices, there's the health department. And so mm-hmm. I did the best that I could and asking patients and, you know, trying to get them to get their vaccines. And, you know, I'm not going to force you to get it. It's your choice. But that was something else that we had to do. So, you know what, this is the truth. So for most vaccines, we do make some money, not a lot, but some. Mm -hmm. So we buy it for a price, the insurance reimburses, you know, a little bit of a higher price, plus we get an administration fee. Mm -hmm. So in my practice, you know, it is definitely worth our while to give vaccines. You know, Mm -hmm. if we bill them properly and document them properly, We do make money, not a Mm -hmm. lot, but we make some money off of the vaccine. And for us, you know, our primary goal, of course, as you said, is like, we don't want people to die of preventable diseases. That's why vaccines exist. But, you know, for us, we also feel like, why is the pharmacist giving these vaccines and taking it out of our office? This is a Mm -hmm. revenue providing this provides a revenue stream for us. And it it's really, it's almost like a competition between my office as a business and your retail pharmacy as a business. And I can't speak for, you know, executives in the, in the retail pharmacy world. I have no idea how they operate, but I imagine that the economy of scale for you guys is you have so many stores and so many vaccines and, mm-hmm. you know, it probably adds up to a lot. So then you have this added pressure to not just give the vaccines, but give as many vaccines as possible. Did you ever, were you ever incentivized? Did you get bonuses or anything like that based on your vaccines? Not, not that I can remember. I know that, you know, because we had such a high goal, whether, you know, whatever it was that we were required to like do a clinic outside of the store, find somewhere to give more vaccines. And so that was something that we had to come up with every year, at least for the last few years that I was there. So I would always do a flu clinic at my church. And Mm -hmm. so my church members, they knew me. We've been here for years. And so that was something that they looked forward to. And even after I left, they were like, I miss you doing the flu clinic and you giving Uh, me my shot. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I know. I I mean, I do miss that, but I don't miss where I was. So I'm sorry, you'll have to go get your flu shot somewhere else. Uh, But it, it was just something that we had to do. Yeah. One, one more thing. And Melissa, what what made you choose pharmacy when you were like deciding, you know, what you were going to do with your life? How did you choose pharmacy? Well, 
I don't know that I really chose pharmacy. I think my mom chose it for me. (laughs) Well, so all growing up, I always thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. And when I was an only child, I would, you know, line my stuffed animals up on the bed and I would teach to them. And at the end of the year, if there were workbooks or textbooks that the teachers didn't need anymore. I would take them all home. And then my little sister was born. And so I had a real student. And, but then as I got older, I was like, you know what? I don't think God's calling me to be a school teacher. I just don't have the patience for that. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college, I looked at a lot of different things. I was like, maybe I'll be an accountant. So I took macroeconomics. I was like, nope, that's terrible. (laughs) Don't want to do that. And then I was like, well, Maybe I'll be a dance teacher because I did dance through elementary, middle, high school, and I really liked that. So I took some exercise and sports science class. Like, no, I don't want to do that either. And I was like, maybe I'll be an art teacher because I always liked art. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And so for a while there, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then I'd always been good at science and math, and I wanted to be able to help people. And my mom was like, well, why don't you be a pharmacist? And that was back in the early 2000s. And she was like, they make lots of money and they get sign-on bonuses and cars. And all you have to do is count by fives. That'll be so easy. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great. Stop. Your own mother said all yes. you have to do is count by fives? Yes. Oh, my so, God. Okay, granted, go neither one of us really knew. I mean, you don't know until you actually get in there and sure. have to start doing what it's really like. Because all patients see is what they see from the counter. Do they just yeah. see the pharmacist back there? Yeah, she's probably counting pills, but we didn't realize, you know, what all else was involved. And so I was like, okay. So I declared my major in biology and started applying to pharmacy schools and and did all that. And there was a time working in retail where, at least there towards the end, I was second guessing myself, like, why did I do this? This is terrible. Like, nobody appreciates what we do. And mm-hmm. I'm being treated terrible by the people that I work with. Some of them, not all of them by the patients. They're yelling and cussing at us. And, you know, I've heard stories of people, pharmacists having things thrown at them in the store, hitting them. It's terrible how mean people can be. And I know they're sick and they're suffering and they're in pain. That's why they're there because they need help. But I just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Patients don't care. Providers are mean. And mm. I, why, why did I spend four years of undergrad, four years of pharmacy school. I'm in this debt with my loans. How am I going to get out of this? If I'm not a pharmacist, what am I going to do? Do I go back to school? Well, that's more loans. And what do I do? And so I just got to the point where I was like, I'll just go work at a fast food restaurant. I I don't care. I got to get out. This is terrible. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Really? Um, So you, wait a second, wait a second. So because med school is exactly the same. Four years of college, four years of med school, mm-hmm. but then we have to do a residency. Right. So I'm just putting myself in your shoes. If I cannot imagine a scenario where I would be like, anything is better than, I've had some pretty bad, bad days in the mm-hmm. course of my career. There has never been a time where I was like, literally any other job would be better than this. So when you thought that, 
you obviously have loans, you have financial responsibilities. Mm-hmm. How did you ultimately make the decision? Like, here's my notice, CVS, I'm out. Well, I listened to a podcast on pharmacist burnout. And while I was listening to that, I just started crying because I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is how I feel. And for so long, I thought I was a bad person. I was a bad pharmacist. I'm not working hard enough. You know, there's something wrong with me. And some things had happened in my personal life that had affected my mental health. And so I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. But for the first time, once hearing that podcast, I was like, oh, there's other people that feel like this. It's not just me. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can continue to complain and talk about how miserable it is and just sit in this and suffer through it and try to get to retirement. Or I can make a change because my situation, my job, my place that I'm working is not going to get any better. So either I change or I just continue to stay here. And so I made the decision, like, I've got to do something different. I've got to find a way out. And so I have to take action. And that's what I started doing. So what did you do? There were two pharmacists that were on that podcast. And one of them was actually the pharmacist who hired me at CVS way back when. And she had left CVS as well and was working at another job. But she was also working as a coach with the Happy Farm D program, which is a coaching program specifically for pharmacists to help them get out of where they are and transition into something that's a better fit. And so I talked to her and I was like, I think this will be a good way to help me because I have no idea where to go or what I want to do. And I haven't looked at my resume since I got hired all those years ago. I haven't done an interview since then. Like, they're going to help me with this. Okay, I'll do this. And so through my coach, I was able to meet another pharmacist. And she had a very similar experience, worked 10 years in retail, wanted to get out, wanted to be able to use the knowledge that she had. That was another disappointment with working in retail. I felt like I learned all this stuff. and I wasn't actually using it because I was having to do so many other things. And so I was like, I want to actually be able to help patients in a meaningful way, not just how fast can I get these prescriptions filled? How many vaccines can I get done today? How many phone calls can I do? And so she had started a program to teach pharmacists how to do what she was doing. And so through that academy, I was able to learn how to start my own business in pharmacogenomics. And I launched in September of 2021. And I've been doing that ever since. And so I left CBS in May of 2021. I did give them several weeks notice, I think about six weeks. And so I was like, I'm taking a leave of absence. I need a break because I'm I'm really hating this and that's not fair to my patients for me to just be like, oh, whatever. And it's not fair to my employees and my technicians because I'm not being a good boss for them. And so if I don't step away from this, I feel like, you know, something bad could possibly happen. So you said a big word in there. Pharmacogenomics. Say that word. Pharmacogenomics or PGX for short. Tell me what that is. 
So that's the study of how a patient's genetics or DNA impacts their response to medications. And so through this technology, through a DNA sample, either a cheek swab or a saliva sample, I can send the patient's results or their sample off to the lab and we get results back so that we know how their body may metabolize or break down or activate medications so that we can give them that more personalized approach rather than through the trial and error. Wow. Oh, boy. I feel like we could have a whole nother hour conversation about that. Yes. (laughs) And you said it. I mean, literally, especially with things like things that don't have a direct measure, you know, like with somebody's cholesterol, like you'd be like, oh, well, your LDL went down, therefore the drug works, right? Right. But with like antidepressants immediately come to mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have this huge armamentarium, but honestly, it's like a guess. And, and, and yes. what's on my forebrain at that moment and what I just prescribed, like mm-hmm. it's kind of random. And yes. then when we're like, oh, well, shocker, it didn't work for you because I literally used no science to choose this drug for you. I just used, you know, what I was feeling like at that moment. Well, that's not exactly true. Like, you know, with bupropion, for example, which is generic for right. Wellbutrin, like I wouldn't give that to someone who's super anxious, right? I would give it to someone who is depressed and like maybe struggling to be motivated. So there's, mm-hmm. there is some careful criteria, of some meds, yeah. right? But like, like within the SSRI class, for example, psh, to me, it's almost like a crapshoot. So you basically took your education mm-hmm. and your, I hate to say it failed experience in retail pharmacy because I'm sure you grew as a person and helped oh, yes. countless people, yes. right? Yes. And then focused on, you know, almost the basics of how drugs work, right? Mm-hmm. So how how is your business going and how is your life as a result of that business? <laughs> okay, so my business is good. I do a B2C or business to consumer model. So I'm not working in a provider's office. So I'm working directly with patients. And so that setup is more difficult to find patients than if I was in a particular office, but it allows me the freedom to work from home and the flexibility to set my own schedule. And so just within the first maybe couple weeks or a month after my leave of absence started, everyone could tell a difference in me. My husband, my family, my friends, people at church, they would say things like, wow, you look happy today. Or like, you look, you're, that's a real smile. You're smiling again. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And I don't think I realized how bad it was until I left. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can sleep better at night. And I'm not rerunning the day through my head, the conversations that I had with patients or providers or with technicians or, you know, there were times when I made mistakes with people's medications and I would just replay that for days and weeks and I couldn't stop forgetting about it. And I know we are human, we make mistakes, but I would obsess over them. And so being able to step out of that environment was just such a a relief for me and for my marriage because my husband was tired of hearing me complain. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was tired of complaining, but that was all I knew. That was my life. And so Everything is is better now and I get time with my family and friends and I get to go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night and 
Life is good. Owning a business is not easy. It's not perfect. And there have been some ups and downs, but I'm currently working with a pharmacist and business coach to sort of restructure how I offer my services and making it more of a holistic approach because we have the mental and the physical and the spiritual. And I want to bring my faith into what I'm doing and with the things that I've been through in my life. There's the the spiritual aspect has is what has gotten me through this. And so mm-hmm. I know that there are other people who are suffering and going through anxiety and depression and loss and grief. And I've been through all of that. And so I want to be able to help people in that way as well, along with the testing for the medications. And then I also do nutrigenomic testing, which is the same concept, but you're looking at genetics and their nutrition and wellness. So what foods should they eat or avoid and all sorts of things. So helping them in multiple different areas. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you found your way. I'm I'm worried about our pharmacy colleagues, though. Mm-hmm. You know, your story is like, I'm sure it's one of a million like that. So yes. I want to close with this. I'm a doctor. You're a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. You're a doctor of pharmacy. Mm-hmm. We are equal. That's the honest to God truth, except I'm a lot older than you. So I have some maybe (laughs) life experience, but in terms of like education and all that, like we are equals. So if you could think of a way for us as doctors Mm -hmm. to communicate with your colleagues that are still in retail pharmacy Mm -hmm. with one goal, and that is keep those pharmacy professionals from burning out. Right. What would you say it would be like, should, I don't even know, how should we be to help you? I think just the first thing that comes to mind is to be kind. Just, we know that I've never worked in a doctor's office, so I don't know what that is like. And you've never worked in a pharmacy, so you don't know what that's like. So let's put aside our judgments and preconceived notions of what it is that you do every day and just be kind, listen and be receptive to what we have to say and what we have to offer. And we're not, at least I hope for all pharmacists, we're not making stuff up as we go. We are practicing (laughs) the same evidence-based medicine that you are. And so if we're making recommendations, if we are Wanting to have something change that we don't think is in the best interest of the patient, it's it's for a reason. And so just being receptive and listening to what we have to say, and we'll, we can be receptive and listening to what you have to say. And let's work together to help the patients, because ultimately, that's why we're here, is to help our patients who are sick, who are suffering and need help. And if we don't have our patients, then we don't have a job. And so <sighs> how let's figure out how we work together to help our patients in the best way that we can. We won't be perfect at it, but let's be kind and let's listen to each other and let's work together. Wow. So shockingly simple, common sense (laughs) advice. Yes. Things we learned (laughs) in kindergarten, I think, (laughs) but maybe we forgot. (laughs) Well, I mean, honest to God, I'm just, 
I'm appalled at myself because I've definitely been on the unkind end of the doctor conversation and I can make 10 million excuses of why, but I think this has been so eye-opening. I can tell you that my conversations with my pharmacy colleagues will 100% be different. I may Mm -hmm. not agree with the advice or I may right. not take the advice, but right. there is no reason not to be gracious, whether you it's helpful or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Melissa, you have been so, so great and so helpful. And this is such an important topic. I, I would love to have you back because I, as you were talking, there was like a million questions I wanted to ask you just okay. about the pharmacy end. So maybe we'll have another chat I'll email you and we'll talk about it offline. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having Um, me. I will definitely say to everyone listening, you know, it's the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated, whether you are the doctor or you are the pharmacy professional, you know, whatever it is, I think some kindness would go a very, very long way. If you have had a terrible conversation with a healthcare provider, whether you are a patient or another healthcare provider, I want to hear your story. Please email me, christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.